Welcome to Paradox, the time travel podcast. I'm Nick Hurwich. I'm Phil Hornshaw. We're co-authors of the book, So You Created a Wormhole, The Time Traveler's Guide to Time Travel, Relevant Here, and the brand new, The Space Hero's Guide to Glory, How to Get Off Your Podunk Planet and Master the Final Frontier. So that means that we are time, well, let's back up and decide that we are time travel experts. And what we're here to do on this here podcast is talk about time travel movies and their rules, how they work, what the time travel is all about, and where they fall down. We're going to ruin a lot of movies for you, talk about a lot of plot holes, and uh, generally just get way too nerdy about (laughs) every film we liked when we were young. Way, way too nerdy. Yeah. It's going to get complicated, confusing, and weird. We hope by the end of each episode you'll understand your favorite time travel stories on a deeper level than ever before. Yeah, or just be annoyed. That yeah. like you Brain can't aneurysm. watch it without thinking about this nonsense. Like, did Marty McFly steal rock and roll from uh, its rightful creators? <laughs> Which no, he didn't. That's ridiculous. Has has uh, severe cultural appropriation. <laughs> it really is. Traveled back in time and grabbed the invention of Isn't that Johnny Be Good from you. The plot of uh, Hot Tub Time Machine Two. Like all the way down, I'm pretty sure they just they just go back. Well, even in t- Hot Tub yeah. Time Machine One, they they uh, invent songs and yeah and yeah. Well, and Google right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, of course, that's you know, you either go it back and win the lottery, or you go back and steal other people's good ideas. Right. That's how time travel works. Such is the nature of time travel. Indeed. So as Phil alluded to, today on the inaugural Paradox podcast, we're going to be breaking down the grandfather, actually, it should be the mother of all time travel movies. <laughs> the really hot mom. Yeah, the extremely hot mom of all time travel movies, Back to the Future. Uh, but before we get started, just a disclaimer, just a reminder that Paradox is not a movie or entertainment review podcast. Our aim is to unfurl the time travel stories using their own rules and internal logic. And then we're going to judge those movies based on the rules. Yeah. (laughs) Based on the rules that they themselves set out. No, we're here to have fun. Um, You know, we're not like Nick said, we're not here to review, talk about whether time travel movies are good or bad or falling down or there. It's all good fun. Right. Um, We just, we like time travel a lot. So that's that our opinion of the films are definitely going to come through. Yes, absolutely. So, However, yeah. it's not, we're not here to tell you you shouldn't like the movies you like. So, all right. Yeah. Before we get started, um, you should have seen Back to the Future before. If you haven't, we get should out not, of America. We <laughs> should not. <laughs> Phil just <laughs> deported you, which is offensive, especially if you're not even American. Um, you sh- this should not be your first experience with Back to the Future. That would just be sad. Can't even go on the ride anymore, though. That's a bummer. Can't go on the ride anymore. That could be your first you would experience. Have to tra- you would have to Get travel back in time. Get an injury at Universal Studios on the Back to the Future ride. That ride is horrible. Or was horrible. It's gone now. But... Someone traveled back in time and replaced it with the Simpsons ride. Yeah. I wonder if it's all the same, like, sharp edges in the cars and, like, shaking and bouncing into them. I haven't ridden it. I mean, all those rides are like that, right? That's true. Well, no. <laughs> you go into a tiny room and then it kind of moves. It's like a full Oh, yeah, no, coaster. I know. But I think the safety regulations in like 1992 or whatever, when the Back to the Future ride was created, were a little more lax um, than they are today. I don't know. That anyway. could be. Uh, okay, so to get started, <laughs> we're going to uh, briefly run through the plot of Back to the Future. Just a little primer. We'll stop here and there, but then we're going to get into the nitty gritty. So, yeah, you want you want to kick us off, Phil? I guess. Uh, all right. So, Marty McFly, he's a high schooler, kind of a screw up, but generally likable, not especially smart. <laughs> um, uh, and he has, I guess, an after school job with local crackpot Doc Emmett Brown. Um, and. You know, his family life is not super good. His parents are in a kind of unhappy marriage. His dad is a bit of a failure, and he's often pushed around by 
local tough Biff Tannen, right? Who is his supervisor, I guess, at work. And then he's got his alcoholic mom and his kind of screw-up siblings. And they're all just, you know, kind of coasting through life, not especially happy. And then Marty goes to help Doc with an experiment late at night at the Twin Pines Mall. Calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. We should pause momentarily to uh, point out the fact that the first ever living thing to travel through time in the Back to the Future universe is a dog named Einstein. Yep. Pioneer. Which you can extrapolate from this, which I will, (laughs) that Doc Brown is a dick. (laughs) Because it's clear that if he's the first living creature to ever travel through time, Doc Brown didn't know if it was going to work. Yeah, one assumes anyway, right? Like, I don't know. We don't, we don't, we don't have a real good sense of Doc Brown's uh, scientific method. He certainly hadn't all. tried it before himself. I mean, he's certainly fly by the seat of his pants almost all the time. I mean, the situation dictates um, that he has to like orchestrate a lightning strike. He very nearly is killed <laughs> in doing so. So it's not like he's you know, I don't know. He's not. He's not like the most rigid so he's, of scientists. So he's holding his pet to the same. A life or death, reckless abandon that he himself. One would does. think. I mean, at the end of the day, okay. So let's let's back up in case you're not super familiar with the scene. The first scene of uh, the test of the time travel machine, which is the you know the famous DeLorean, takes place at the mall. Um, they have to. Duck has as a remote control thing to run the car. He throws the dog in the car. He runs the car up to 88 miles an hour in the empty parking lot. It pops through time. It goes a minute into the future, and it comes out on the other side, like weird. <laughs> Basically, um, the whole thing is like frozen, as if it had been real cold. Um, it it comes to a skidding stop. Everything's fine. Einstein pops out the dog. Um, d- but there are a number of like little things we can glean from this. Um, one, Doc definitely hadn't sent anything through time before because when he no. touches the car. He's like, oh, shit. And he's, he, like, pulls his hand back. And he's like, wow. And Mario's like, is it high? And he's like, no, it's cold. So he's, like, he's surprised about that moment. So that's definitely, like, the first test, right? Yes. Um, also, like, he's the dog is in a car. <laughs> and well, and the car is, is going fucking fast. So this is, <laughs> this is where I'm coming from. Yeah. He goes through the pains to make the, the car remote control. Yeah. Right? Which means that he could have performed that test without Einstein inside. And he could have tested to see if time travel worked. Which he probably should have started there if he were sane. Really? I guess if he were sane. Yeah. I mean, okay. To be fair, it used an entire rod of plutonium. Yeah, that's true. That's not easy to come by. But, but it primarily that test was about the watch, right? Einstein has a stopwatch around his neck. Doc Brown has a stopwatch around his neck, and Doc synchronizes him, sends Einstein through time, and then checks the watches. See, that's different. I, I wouldn't say that it's primarily about that. I'm going to say that he, well, he, 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 that's, that's the, the, I guess that's the, that's the, the data. Right. That, of the data that's story. the data. But the, the other, other data, the other data is, is that, that can a thing can live? Liquefied? Yes, yes exactly. exactly. <laughs> if the car makes it, will I make it? Will there be oxygen in that car? Will it, you know, like freeze or burst into flames or what? Like the laws of physics, how do they apply when you're not in the time stream? Doc doesn't have any of that information at all. So he has no idea. So he very well could have killed his dog, which is Marty's first inclination. He's like, holy crap, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. He's like, no, Um, he's fine, probably. Yeah. (laughs) He seems pretty confident, but he shouldn't have been. Uh, Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. So this is another weird aspect of the of the movie that we're kind of we're kind of dancing around. Um, Doc explains that the time machine and Einstein in it go. They just skip the minute that he and Marty are standing there. You know, he goes to the future instantaneously from one spot to another, right in the time stream. So it's you know, it's just he's just there. He just pops in. Correct. But the car is cold, so there's got to be some kind of interim travel. 
right? Like, where is the car when the car is not in that minute? Yeah, right? in theory. For Einstein, it he it feels instantaneous, but obviously it isn't because there's a physical effect to the car. So where is it, and what is there, and could it have killed you? Like that's what Doc, <laughs> that's what Doc's trying to figure out. So if yeah, you weren't if you weren't in a shitty steel car, probably is the I guess. I mean, he knew enough about it to know that he needed a steel car. I I want to. I really. He's been working on this thing for what thirty years. Well, let's, it would be interesting let's, to let's see get what there. Else. So okay, yeah. <laughs> so uh, in order to make his uh, time machine, his flux capacitor, as you're surely aware, work, he needs plutonium ride for every. He needs a plutonium rod for every ride. Yeah, huge uh, amount of energy apparently. One point twenty one yeah. gigawatts. So it doesn't seem to matter. This is interesting. It doesn't seem to matter how far forward or backward you're going. It takes no, it's one just plutonium rod. Yeah, but. In any case, he tricks a band of Libyan terrorists to into stealing plutonium from a local power plant, which is alluded to in the very opening scene when Marty yeah. comes to visit Doc at his office and he's report. not there. Yeah. So no, he has the plutonium. Um, the, so, the end of the time travel test is the Libyans show up. They shoot Doc Brown and that's because, when Marty comes in the car. Yeah. Doc That's Brown right. Doc Brown told the Libyans that he was going to build them a an atomic weapon, a WMD, but instead is using it for fuel for his time machine. Yeah, and he, he gave them an empty bomb casing full of used pinball machine parts. Yeah. <laughs> Genius. Yes. So after Doc Brown is uh, seemingly shot dead, Marty, to escape the machine gun firing, rocket launching Libyans, races through the parking lot, uh... Yeah, tries to get up to 90 inadvertently yeah, travels back sort of time. forgets everything he just heard about the time machine how it works and is just like i'll just floor it their micro bus can't keep up with me and then never gets out of the parking lot yeah somehow. right <laughs> yeah that whole that whole bit is great um yeah so ends up pops back to 1955 30 years in the past mm-hmm. and he's in the middle of a cornfield as doc brown had alluded to only minutes before uh, and blast right into a barn where he is soon mistaken because he's in a radioactive suit for uh, a visitor from outer space and is shot at by a farmer and his terrified family. <laughs> yeah. And then um, manages to make it back to Hill Valley and uh, hides the car and starts wandering. Which runs out of gas. Yes. It's worth noting. Out of gas, out of plutonium, whatever. Does it even run on gas? You can't get it to run. Well, like he runs it for a bit, and then he pushes it behind a sign. But when he arrives, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But when he comes back, back to the future, the car doesn't work. Yeah, remember? I think like, I think that's Doc kind Brown, of a key plot moment. Yeah, there's there's a, <laughs> there's a moment before he pushes it behind the billboard where he can't get it to go, mm-hmm. which is actually like a, a lucky. That's a that's a lucky mistake because. Uh, from what we know of Marty and from how much Marty believes the fact that he's just traveled 30 years into the past, he probably would have just driven that thing straight into town. And moments later, he looks weird enough walking into town in his 1985 clothes. Right. But it would have been way worse if he rolled in with a, uh, in, inside a Delorean. Yeah, he'd probably... That would have been a very different movie. You just like... That's how they would make it now. Yeah, you just like show up in the middle of town. The cops get called. Yeah, the government comes then you're, in. And then you're dissected, and yeah, there's a whole. That's a whole other. It's a much darker, less fun. That's the that's the dark movie. Eric Stoltz timeline, <laughs> yeah. which we'll get to the, later. The so, worst timeline. Uh, in exploring his town, which we which we were expertly introduced to very subtly uh, in the first act of the film, mm-hmm. uh, Marty. Uh, revisits his hometown of Hill Valley 30 years in the past, uh, you know, 50s style bound. He sees a newspaper thrown away in the trash can, which confirms that he has, in fact, traveled 30 years in the past. He goes to a local watering hole, a diner, which is an aerobic studio, I believe, in his time. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yep. He, he attempts to order a Pepsi-free which for you kids at home was a thing briefly. <laughs> that was the thing. Uh, but it also made for a good joke. Honestly, I don't remember uh, what Pepsi-free was. I, I think, it's just, I think it's just a calorie-free Pepsi. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Pretty sure. I don't know. They had a lot of weird marketing gimmicks for Pepsi. Yeah. Clear Pepsi. Yeah. That's that's about all I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's the extent of our Pepsi knowledge. Oh, how are people going to know that they have traveled through time in the future when there are no newspapers? Because that's not that's a thing anymore. Like that's <laughs> now you have to steal we're someone. In, now you have in, to steal someone's iPad. Right? We're in 2015. And get shanked. We're in the. We are in. This is the future. Now, what? Are, how are these time travelers going to be able to handle it when they can't like get a quick fix on the date? They're like, I've got to deal with all this weird technology and stuff. Anyway, that's a good point. Filmmakers are going to have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> or or they just won't. Or they'll write the version where the main character drives into town riding a DeLorean. <laughs> yep, and, then, and gets dissected. And gets dissected by yep. the government. <laughs> um, so while at the diner, Marty runs into his teenage dad. Yep. And his teenage dad's teenage prota- or antagonist, Biff Tannen, um, who is making... George McFly, his dad's his, his making his life miserable as he does. Um, Marty follows George away from the diner, um, realizes that he, his dad was a peeping Tom, and uh, interrupts the, the pivotal moment in which George gets hit by uh, his mom Lorraine's car, Marty's mom's, uh, uh, her dad's car, that would have triggered their meeting, basically, in order for them to fall in love. Uh, the, the story was that Grandpa uh, Lorraine's dad hit George with the car. She, they nursed him back to health, and and in seeing how pathetic he was, <laughs> they fell in love. And uh, and instead of George getting hit by the car, Marty gets hit by the car, so he winds up the object of... Well, and thereby, thereby setting the foundation for the pretty pathetic future that yeah. we oh, see in Marty's reality, which is that, you know... Lorraine and George's relationship was built from day one on a foundation of pity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and and George is a very pathetic character. George is uh, George is pretty rough. But yeah, so it winds up that Marty um, is getting googly eyes from Lorraine, his mom, as a teenager, and he's got to you know shut that whole situation down. Um, he's interrupted the meeting of his parents. It's threatening his existence and the rest of the movie is all about uh marty trying to to get them back on track so that he will not cease to exist um after having dinner at lorraine's with his you know his extended family his grandparents and so on who don't know his who he is aunts, aunts and uncles yeah exactly uh marty heads off finds doc brown um convinces him that he's a time traveler and they start to execute the plan of like trying to repair the timeline. Though, though this is this is interesting. I brought this up to you the other day that Marty again not not exactly thinking and is a little lucky in this regard. Before he travels back through time, the reason Doc Brown sets the chronometer in the DeLorean to the date that he does, November fifth, nineteen fifty-five, is that that is the day that Doc Brown came up with the idea for flux the flux capacitor, which would then make time travel possible. It took him 30 years and his family's entire fortune to make the dream a reality. He was installing a clock above his toilet for some reason. When would you ever look at a clock above your toilet? I guess. He (laughs) fell, hit his head, and while he was concussed, uh, had the vision of the flux capacitor. So he tells Marty this. Actually, hang on, time out. That's an interesting character moment for Doc Brown that I don't think anybody's ever considered Maybe Doc Brown has like IBS. That would that kind of would have like an effect on a number of. Why is Doc Brown never around at key moments? Because <laughs> he's in the bathroom and he needs a clock so he could keep on schedule. I don't. I don't think he ever once flatulates on screen. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, man. Carefully edited around Christopher <laughs> Lloyd's IBS. Um, but before we offend any more of our non-existent listenership uh, <laughs> with IBS. <laughs> That's um, irritable bowel syndrome, for those of you who are in the know. <laughs> if they have it, they know. So, uh, but but what's, what's significant about that is Doc Brown tells Marty this. It's the first time Marty's ever heard this story, seemingly. Uh, but all he 
tells Marty is the date that this occurred. And when Marty travels back through time, it is still that date. Mm -hmm. So when he goes over to uh, visit Doc Brown, it's in the evening, granted, but Doc Brown didn't say, oh, it happened to me in the morning, it happened to me in the evening. He, He doesn't specify. So Marty could have if he were a less lucky lucky individual, inadvertently prevented Doc Brown from installing the clock, falling, yeah. hitting his head, having the vision for the flux capacitor, and then the whole universe probably would have imploded Yeah, just then. That would have been a major paradox. More major than probably any other event in any of the Back to the Future movies. And it just kind of, you know, slips by. Doesn't, yeah, it just worked out. Just works out, and... He's he's Marty's additionally a terrible lucky. Terrible time traveler. That's yeah. the problem. He's he learns to be better, but in general, he just you know he's he a little behind ever, the ball. He doesn't really learn to be better. <laughs> he doesn't. There are two movies of this. I mean, yeah, like even in Back to the Future Two, Marty does a good job of like not running into himself. That's a pretty low bar. It's like stay hidden. He doesn't. He's he's not like thinking through why. He just just knows not to. Yeah. He is he is a consummate problem solver, but yeah, to that he's point, he's resourceful. He doesn't yeah. even recognize the issue, even even though it's been beaten into his head by his mom how how she and her dad met. Uh, her, his sister goes on and on about how he's she's heard the story a million times, and by proxy, we can imagine Marty has also. Uh, it doesn't even register for him that he has interrupted the meeting of his own parents. Um, until after convincing Doc Brown that he's past Doc Brown, that he's a time traveler, that uh, Doc Brown points it out to him. Yeah. Well, he t- he points it out to him specifically because of the photo. Yeah. Right? The failure gauge. The, the failure the, gauge. The key, key item in the movie to show you know that there are, in fact, stakes to what the hell is going on, because otherwise you just have this really abstract idea of like, Oh, you've fucked up the timeline. What could happen? It's like, well, actually, you know exactly what will happen. This photo shows us. What, exactly what Phil's what referring happened. to is that Marty, oddly, <clears throat> as uh, a kid in the mid 80s would do, apparently, has a photo <laughs> of himself and only his siblings a that he carries reading. around with him <laughs> in his pocket. I guess now you would have a phone full of such photos, correct? I guess. But for all the brilliance and. Hmm, We'll say accurate time travel. It's pretty good. In Back to the Future, uh, one of the most sound time travel movies that we'll come across, as you'll quickly learn. (laughs) Uh, uh, This is the most bullshit. Yeah, this this is the movie thing of Back to the Future, really. Like, the rest of it, it all holds together pretty well, generally. Um... But the the photo the slow the photo shows the slow erasure of Marty's siblings, starting with not the youngest who would be Marty, but the oldest for some reason, um, and they they basically evaporate from this photo over time. The longer Mar- Marty is in the past, screwing things up, basically, the more damage occurs to this photo. The more people erase from it, um, and that's how he knows. That's how he knows. Like whether things are going badly uh, or not. Although they're always going badly. It's, it's the photo is only erasing until the end of the movie, but well, and, <clears throat> and I mean, it's a brilliant visual narrative movie, movie telling movie, movie writing filmmaking device. Yeah. But you would imagine that if Marty interrupts the meeting of his parents, then that photo would immediately disappear right which i guess implies that there are still percentages at play yeah it's a statistical that's how i read it anyway it's he's definitely like doing more damage the longer he's there uh he interrupts the meeting but okay if he were to just like evaporate that day you know okay they didn't meet that way but apparently it might have still worked out um but then he has uh the later scene with the manure um he Marty's uh, spends the rest of the movie. I don't want to get like go through each plot point, but um, he spends the rest of the movie working with George, trying to rekindle the the situation as he knew it. And he and get, he and Doc Brown kind of divide right. and conquer because Marty's bigger problem is that 
he's in 1955 without errata plutonium, right. and he needs to get back to 1985. And so past Doc Brown, who has only today come up with the flux capacitor, <laughs> has to uh, orchestrate a way for Marty to drive the DeLorean time machine and catch a bolt of lightning that strikes the clock tower in Hill Valley Town Square, exactly the right right moment, which will produce the 1.21 gigawatts. Gigawatts. And send, (laughs) not not giga. I know. Gigawatts. In 1985, it was giga. (laughs) Back back to the future, as it were. Uh Uh-huh. And so while Doc Brown is working on that problem, Marty is trying to solve the problem of his own existence. Trying to prevent um, the erasure of his siblings because, you know, apparently it's getting so bad that like his brother wouldn't have existed. First, he screws up his brother's life. Then he screws up his sister's life. Finally, he ruins his own, Um, which again, doesn't you think it would be reversed since he's the third kid. But um, so he's. Marty's working closely with George trying to get him uh, hooked up with, with Lorraine. Um, but he keeps screwing it up because he's just too damn debonair, I guess. <laughs> um, he's got that. He's got a fight with Biff that like everybody in town witnesses. That's when he invents skateboarding. He um, does. He kicks the bottom off of an apple cart that two little kids are pushing. An apple that, cart? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's some I thought sort it was of... like a little scooter. But it's just like made out of no, boxes. It's, it's like a bo- it's like a it's some sort of old time like soda box. Yeah, no, I think it was just I think it's just a scooter handle thing, but it's what he's you're looking at is like a box. They they took like a milk crate, I yeah. think. They had yeah. like a board with wheels and then right. they put a milk crate on it to be like the handle part. But he, but kicks he just it tears off. off. He, yeah, he, he tears breaks off, the, off box. the part with the wheel. Which is for anyone who's ever skateboarded, this is also totally bullshit because uh the wheels have ball bearings so that they can spin in all directions and anything else with wheels, like a cart, it's going to go in one direction. You know, well, Marty's not like a great skateboarder ever. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> he makes it seem pretty. He's, fantastic. I mean, he's pretty good, but he mostly just goes in the one direction. It's true. I guess. I it's just, the, I guess he cuts that one corner pretty good. He's pretty impressed. Everyone else seems pretty impressed. But I mean, like Marty, when, He's good at like things like jumping on top of the car and running through it. But the, anyway, the, the, the more is. problematic, <laughs> the more problematic thing being that Marty invents skateboarding mm-hmm. uh, about thirty-five years too early. Yeah, but uh, in Hill Valley, California, which obviously is just like a wasteland. But you think of that, things happening. that kid, <laughs> that kid whose apple cart or whatever that he kicked <laughs> apart, and then watches Marty just kick ass. Yeah. And uh, lure Biff Tannen and his car full of goons into a truck full of manure. Right. And then gets handed back that weapon of destruction. <laughs> we'll never forget yeah. that for the rest of his life. Right. There's One no... assumes, anyway. I mean, my I mean, assumption is well, that... Well, yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about memory in Hill Valley a little bit, too, later. <laughs> because... You'd think a lot of people would have remembered a lot of things. That is very true. <laughs> well, so. we'll get into that, but I, I, I'll wrap this point up by saying that one one has to assume that that kid was so enamored of skateboarding that he kept trying until he got himself fucking killed. Yeah, I guess. And therefore could yeah, never true. spread skateboarding uh-huh. to the po- no, think, poison the minds of I the rest of the youth. I think probably like the very next day. Yeah. Is that kid's death. Just, <laughs> like, just rolled into a, like, a four-way so, traffic stop. <laughs> so the, the dance happens on Saturday, right? Probably Sunday is they find that kid's body in the river. <laughs> how did he skateboard into the river? Well, I mean, like, how did he get killed? You mean He's the person probably, who ran him over? No, I, I'm threw kind of him assuming in a river? They, like, he and his buddies. It's the worst burial. <laughs> No, I was, heard of. I was thinking that like, like when we were young, we used to go jump our bikes in the woods. You know, if you've got your new skateboard, it's like, let's go fucking play with it in the woods out of the street. I mean, he's he's a young, he's like eight, right? This kid. Yeah. So it probably so he's, dead, he's dead for sure. Anyway. <laughs> so the, 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 the issue here is that as we saw in Marty's original uh, reality is that his dad is a bitch. And he's, you know, Marty's a cool, Marty's a cool guy. Marty's, Marty doesn't put up with bullshit. He's little. Yeah. But he's 
got a hot girlfriend. He's got a temper, but he's also, he's a resourceful kid for sure. Yeah, he's resourceful. And so whenever, you know, he sees Biff pushing his dad around, who is his, you know, as his peer in 1955, he ends up standing up to him, which makes George Marty's fly look worse. And it makes him, Marty, look better. Yeah. Especially to his mom. Yeah, who just wants to bone him so hard. (laughs) He's really uncomfortable. I mean, until until they until she like really executes on it, and then they immediately like, well, this doesn't work. But yeah, when she thinks she's he's just some guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) so you know we'll fast forward through a a bit of the plot, but you know Marty's Marty's uh, hatches this plan, uh, whereby he and his mom will be outside of the enchantment under the sea dance, which which Lorraine and Marty's mom corners him into uh, inviting her yeah. to. As, well, he, he tries day. to push George into it. Several and then, times. And it just does not go well. Can't do it. Yeah. But his plan is that uh, he will put the moves on his mom. Yeah. And then George will show up. Beat him up. Beat him up. Yeah. For being too fresh. <laughs> what yeah. this doesn't take into account is that Lorraine has wanted Marty's balls <laughs> for the entire movie. <laughs> and when it comes time to tango, Lorraine yeah. Lorraine is way more aggressive than Marty. Well, the trouble is Marty's operating on uh, 1985 information about his mom, which is that she says a lot of things about when she was young and none of them proved to be true yeah that's the problem at at one time his mom was a little sassafras (laughs) uh and then enter biff tannen who shows up instead of real rapist yeah (laughs) shows up instead of george this time actually beats marty's ass a little bit and stuffs him in a trunk yep the band playing the enchantment under the sea dance uh attempts to get Marty out of the trunk while Biff um, begins to basically sexually assault Marty's mom. I guess, yeah. So when George shows up to save, quote-unquote, save Lorraine from who's supposed to be Marty, it's actually Biff, who's twice his size and has been picking on him the whole movie. And they get into a real fight. Well, kind of. He does. He throws one punch. For some reason, Biff decides to pause and laugh. And well, in that moment, George Biff. grows a pair. Yeah. And punches well, I mean, him in the face. I mean, if you were Biff, you would laugh too, right? You're I just guess like, so. he, I mean, he is. I've like, never been a rapist. He is a consummate villain. Well, I'm not. <laughs> not the rape part, the villain part. <laughs> sure. He's just like, you know, he's a supervillain. And he, of course, he's going to gloat over it. I, I mean, it's also worth noting that he's got George's arm twisted. George is like, you know, half on the ground at that point. It's not like Biff was like, ha ha, George. Yeah. And just like left him, left him be like a James Bond situation. He gassed like, on, he gassed on it a little bit. A little bit. He did. Definitely. That's, that's a beauty in the beast reference. Yeah. That's... For everyone playing at home. <laughs> so then. So George gains his honor. And, George gives and, him the left hook. Yeah. Real hard. Serious left mm-hmm. hook. Biff apparently did not know. George was left-handed. Also shocked, really, that George could throw a punch at all. Gotta yeah. say, yeah. And, and actually, not maybe that's not the greatest punch ever thrown. He could just hit we, him straight in the nose. We, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. But it's and it's his whole body. It's just like a flail. <laughs> I mean, there's a shot <laughs> of serious locked anger. off on George's hand, forming a fist yeah. and all fists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you would think that that was the end of Marty's problem. Uh, it isn't. However, he's still locked in a trunk. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, with the the band playing the enchantment under the sea dance, attempting to get him out of the trunk, the lead guitar player and singer of the band, Marvin Berry. Marvin Berry. <laughs> we will soon find cousin of Chuck Berry. Mm-hmm. Hurts his hand in the attempt getting Marty free. Yeah. Problem here is that though Lorraine is temporarily enamored of George, what seals their love, Marty knows from hearing the story a thousand times, though he didn't know much else, is that they kiss 
yeah, during a during slow song right. at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. So no band, no music, no slow dance, no kiss, no love, no Marty. Yeah. So Marty, who in the opening act of the film auditions to play his own, uh, it's not the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Battle of the Bands. I think it's an upcoming dance. No, I'm pretty sure. Oh, maybe you're right. It's, I thought it's it was a, Battle of the Bands that they were auditioning for. There, it doesn't matter. Fucking doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not important He can at shred all. on the guitar, <laughs> it has been established. Takes the place of Marvin Berry. Plays the slow song. Still almost dies when some goon cuts in on George. And Marty can no longer sing or play guitar because he himself is disappearing. Yep. Movie device. Finally. It's actually happening. It's actually happening. It's not just a It's photograph. not even a photo. He himself he is, is disappearing. Literally Time is not this nice, guys. <laughs> it would bitch slap Marty straight out of existence. Yeah, you let him sure crumple too. on the floor. That's not how that's not how it works. But ignoring this, we're wrapped up in the movie. George, of his own volition, without Marty's influence, it's really nice. Fully moment. confident at this point. Fully confident. Having defeated Biff once and for all time. That's right. <laughs> And never, well, it it is because it Crispin is Glover never is never again. in another Back to the Future movie due to contract. No, dispute. but I mean, Spiff is down and out for the rest of it. That timeline, the good timeline, Biff is just like he's he is subdued. He is no longer alpha guy. That's true. It's over. Yeah, and it George, ruins Biff's life. And George part. and George is <laughs> so George steps in on this a hole. Shoves him down hilariously. Shoves him down hilariously. <laughs> Marty springs back up. And, you know, because no good 80s movie would be done without a rockin' musical number, Marty launches into uh, Johnny Be Good. Right. Which would not be written for another... I should look that up. Should have. Should have come prepared. Anyway. I'm looking it up. Then we have the iconic... Scene in which Marvin Berry calls up Chuck, his cousin, and basically says, hey, Chuck, you know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. He holds up the phone, and he hears, Chuck hears Marty playing his song that he hasn't invented yet, and thus, people say, Marty invented rock and roll. <laughs> Cultural day. appropriation. Uh-huh. Johnny B. Good was written in 1958, or at least released in 1958. Could have been written in 1957. Or so, like any time. You know, it took, <laughs> a, in Back to the Future time, it took Chuck a couple years to put the pieces together. This and, is what I was saying, because you can't hear shit over the phone. <laughs> like, but that. eventually, he writes the same song note for note. Yeah. Shockingly. Anyway. <laughs> I get... Phil Marty. gets upset. <laughs> I am I am a Marty McFly apologist at the end of the day. It's not the kid's fault. He's just kind of dumb. <laughs> he doesn't think things through when he's in the past. Ever. Literally listen, never. <laughs> listen, Elvis already stole rock and roll. And why did we need Marty to do it also? Uh, yeah. Because uh, movies... Movie magic. His parents' love resecured in a form stronger than ever before. Marty races off. Meets up with Doc Brown, who's been executing Brown. on the uh, the whole lightning strike idea. The whole the get Marty back to the future caper going on downtown. Who has conducted a Rube Goldberg machine of sorts with a lightning rod and a power cable and a and a trip wire that goes over the street and all Marty has to do is hit 88 miles per hour coming down the street. <coughs> the same time the lightning hits the clock tower, the electricity will run down into the car, producing the, the, t- yeah, the 1.21 gigawatts and send Marty 30 years back to the future. Yep. There are some complications, but it all happens. Trust us. You know. You saw the yeah. movie. Uh-huh. So Marty gets back home. Oh, this is... I wanted to comment about this part. So... <laughs> Um, so Marty, as he comes to the end of his time in 1955, remembers, um, somewhat belatedly, I guess it comes up earlier, 
But uh, that Doc Brown went ahead and got, you know, shot. But he Libyans. traveled through time by Libyans. And he's all like, I could probably prevent that from happening. Um, tries to tell Doc. Doc won't listen because no man should know too much about his future, apparently. Um, Which is astute for a guy who just came up with time travel that day. No, and I mean, he's right, but this is not like, I'm going to tell you all about your future. This is, hey, this one key event, prevent that event from happening 30 years from now. You don't have to worry about anything else but this one moment on this one night. Anyway, Doc's obtuse about it. It's ridiculous. So Marty... He refuses the, to hear it. Mar- Marty, the uh, the brilliant problem solver that he is, he's like... Oh, I have a time machine. I can prevent this from happening myself. All I need is 10 minutes. He literally says, I have all the time in the world. I have a time machine. And he's like, 10 minutes ought to do it. <laughs> it's like, Marty. <laughs> what the <God>. hell? <laughs> Damn it. Perhaps. You were right there yeah, on the edge of epiphany. Right there. Set it back a day, dude. To be, fair, <laughs> like, to be fair, he was under duress. That's true. He'd been through an ordeal. He almost he had, disallowed for I mean, his own existence. It, and it is like, you know, at the last moment. But at the same time, holy hell, Marty. Ten minutes? Ten minutes to drive from downtown to the mall. Convince Doc Brown that you are you. Because that that was a whole thing that he had to go through like four days earlier. Well, and it took hours. This, this is another <laughs> happy coincidence for Marty. Because let's, let's, let's think about this for a minute. First of all... He gets back and the car breaks down. He has to run to the mall. And so that 10 minutes he thought he had uh, are actually much shorter. But he doesn't do shit. He doesn't even scream out. No, he, he doesn't get there in time. I mean, he's too far away. He's, he's like kind of too far away. There's not a whole hell of a lot something. he could have done. Okay, but barring that, if he had succeeded, he would have met his own past self. Yes. No, exactly. This movie is amazing at... Avoiding these weird little Which would have been like if Marty had uh, shown up before Doc Brown fell off his toilet, hit his head, came up Mm -hmm. with a flux capacitor, been way worse than, well, theoretically way worse for everyone else and the sanctity of the timeline than if Doc Brown had just been shot to death. I mean, somewhat. He went back and made a bunch of changes, but then if he'd prevented himself from traveling through time, he would have just prevented the that whole issue he would just force himself not to exist again right you're just like none of that happened that's pretty true and then yeah. the question arises who is the real marty so well let's let's <laughs> movie let's get there let's get there in a second right. so so marty once again sees from a different vantage point his friend and mentor doc brown shot down in in cold revenge blood he sees his past self perform the same actions he had uh, a week before in his own right. his own existence and um, blast into the past in the DeLorean. And then he runs down to Doc Brown, finds him there dead, rolls but him over. But not really. But not really, because yeah, exactly. this is a movie. Yeah. No, Doc read the letter that Marty had written in 1955. Taped and, it together. Yeah. Finally, just like, you know what? That's a stupid idea that I had 30 years ago, and I probably want to know what Marty was trying to tell me. It was probably important. <laughs> so we'll, co- we'll come back to that in a minute. The epilogue of this movie, Marty Returns Home. Everything is the same, only better. <laughs> <laughs> like, significantly better. Well, except that he lives in the same house. He lives in the same house, which is actually, that's that's kind of remarkable, all things considered, because now his sister, who in his uh, original reality could not get a boyfriend, um, it is said, has so many boys calling that Marty's older brother cannot keep them straight. His older brother, who worked at a fast food joint, now wears a suit to the office every day. Apparently. His parents seem more in love than... yeah. And He's George, seen 30 years later, George has finally realized his dream of becoming a sci-fi novelist. His first book arrives, delivered by Biff Tannen, who is waxing his car. Who is completely George's Biff. Biff? Biff? <laughs> Indeed. His, his, <laughs> he's his Biff. I was going to say his bitch, but his Biff works even better. <laughs> yep. So, and, and the truck that 
Marty fantasized about owning is in his garage, freshly yeah. waxed by Biff Tannen. A gift from his parents who play tennis and like each other. Against all odds, <laughs> Marty has his same girlfriend, Jennifer. He's still going to uh, the lake house that weekend with her, only now his parents know about it and approve. Uh, and at the end, which we'll talk more about in the next episode when we analyze Back to the Future 2, Doc Brown shows up and uh, says that there's some sort of commotion with uh, Marty and Jennifer's kids, and they have to go 30 years into the future to deal with them. But now that we've fast-forwarded through all that, let's unpack this a little bit. Okay. Let's unpack the implications of what just happened with Marty McFly and his alterations of the timeline. Yeah. Or a lot of them. Uh, well, for one thing, let's talk about Biff for a sec. I had a, <laughs> an interesting realization about Biff not long ago. Um, Biff's life, Biff comes out of it pretty good, all things considered. You know, stopped from being a rapist. That's true. Got like, you know, second chance at that whole thing. Um, now a small business owner, his own boss, <laughs> you know, which is pretty good. Well, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. On the on the rapist point, <laughs> that that was seemingly a, uh, a side effect of Marty's interference. Yeah, that's Marty's fault. So, One assumes. One has to assume. Yeah, we can't let that movie get that dark. If it wasn't Lorraine, it probably would have been someone else. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say with Biff. Anyway, continue. Uh, no, just like that's that was just the point I was making. Is that um, you know wherever. Biff and George work um, in original 1985, 1985A, we'll say. Um, you know, they it's it's a rat race of some sort. They're filling out TPS reports. Sounds like The Office. Yeah. Um, or Office Space, rather. Not super good, it seems. But, you know, Biff got his in 1955 in, in the new timeline, and uh, and now he owns a detail shop, and he, you know... Gets to wear those sick windbreaker suits and <laughs> and so on. He's a, and he's a much nicer man. He well, at least he pretends to be one. Right, because he's afraid <laughs> of getting punched again. I, I guess. guess. Or George owns a bunch of guns. <laughs> so, like, okay, you mentioned timeline A. So this is something we're going to do regularly on Paradox, <laughs> and is very much the thrust of the show. Is we're going to map out the timelines that are either presented in or implied by a time travel movie so that we can make sense of them and order things up. Back to the Future, as many time travel movies do, begin at the impetus of time travel. Right. It's it's the first time time travel is occurring. So you've got your original timeline, unmolested, you know, this is how time works, and it's never been altered because there is no time travel. And yes. The first Linear. incident of time travel occurs in that timeline. Right. So... And so we actually get an important time travel lesson, uh, uh, which is, this is true in most time travel stories, but we learn it here pretty quickly, which is that when Einstein, Doc Brown's dog, is sent into the future, he does not, that event does not create a divergent timeline. Einstein disappears for all intents and purposes. Yeah. He vanishes. He vanishes and reappears one minute later. Same timeline. Right. No alterations. No effect, really. We're still basically. in timeline A. Yeah, it's the same timeline. Einstein just was, you know, down a well for a sec, basically. It's the effect is, you know, if you hid in a closet and then you came back out, that's what happened. Um, so there's no, you're not, you're not getting into any, you know, weird cause-effect nonsense because of it's just a forward motion leap. Just like any other, you know, just like going through life, basically. Yeah. Just like, you know, into the future. But going back in the other, on the other hand, messes up everything. Totally like spins off into new timelines. I mean, Doc Brown even draws it out, right? Yeah, on the chalkboard. Yeah. And then you get a whole mess of like other weird implications. And this is where we come to Eric Stoltz. <laughs> <laughs> We will, we will, yeah, we will come to Eric Stoltz, uh, the original <clears throat> Marty McFly. We have a theory that all of Back to the Future is actually a parable about 
Undoing the Darkest Timeline, which is the one in which Eric Stoltz is Marty McFly. Yeah. So, so <laughs> what we see in the beginning of the movie, because it's before the first instance of time travel, is timeline A. Right. Marty travels back to the past. A number of changes occur. Yeah. But in doing so, we see after he travels back to the future, changes reality. That does not obliterate the original timeline because the Marty that we've been with the entirety of the movie still exists. So it was it preceded the timeline that we're now in, right. which we can safely call timeline B. Yeah. Yeah, Marty has has changed the present, but he's it's not like he doesn't exist. He didn't disallow for his own existence, so he couldn't have erased that original timeline, right? That's the only way that makes sense. There has to be an antecedent, and that antecedent is the other timeline. Exactly. Which Marty can never get back to. Yep. The original actor for Marty McFly, Eric Stoltz, yeah, was replaced he... after a month of shooting, which is insane. That's a lot of shooting. The primary reason being, so the so the stories go, yeah. he was playing everything dark. You know, Back to the Future is brilliant. It's a comedy. It's a lot of things, but it's a comedy yeah. at its core. You know, it's a it's it's, it's a pretty light movie. It's really. a pretty light movie. I mean, you've got an implied sexual assault that like totally glossed over, right? So that's a pretty light movie. <laughs> All things considered. It's pretty I mean, there are a number of jokes about Marty hooking up with his mom. You know, you kinda gotta take that with a with a grain of har har. Uh <laughs> But Eric Stoltz reportedly reportedly could not get over the idea that Marty's original family is no longer. And even though things are improved for everyone, how sad it is that those people no longer exist. Well, yeah. And also that Marty hasn't shared his life with anybody else who he is now, you know, his parents treating as his parents. They they're everything that they've gone through is a different world from what Marty went through. He doesn't have anything in common with these people, really. You know? And so is this, sharing the same memories? Yeah. And and so this is interesting for uh, a couple of reasons. One, because uh, Robert Zemeckis and production <laughs> replaced Eric Stoltz and we're all better for it. <laughs> and they, they reshot from the beginning with Michael J. Fox. And more importantly, for purpose of purposes of time travel what it means and what's interesting is that okay so marty gets back to his new future with timeline b what he sees in the twin pines mall parking lot is the same lone thing pine at this point lone Sorry. pine no, no, that's, that's true yep because marty ran one over yeah marty ruined one of those pine trees <laughs> there was no pine tree breeding <laughs> uh, so so different mall but same mall but what he sees is exactly the same but what's interesting about that is the marty that he witnesses do all that grew up in a completely different manner than he did right his parents had completely different attitudes his brother and sister grow into completely different people he grows up to a guy with a much better truck same girlfriend seemingly the same enough but a much different person so we have to assume, at least I'm going to assume, you can tell me what you think, that Doc Brown had a little more influence in this timeline. Because despite all those differences, Marty ends up in the same place. That's a good point. Yeah, Doc Brown had to orchestrate a lot of shit, right? Probably. Because you have to think that, you know, Marty now, his parents seem to have a little more money. It is a little weird that they live in the same house, but like... But it's he, nicer. It's definitely nicer in there. Like... They have a better decorator. Yeah, they have much better decorator. <laughs> They're just happier people, and yeah. everyone knows that happier people are richer. <laughs> I can't remember which one comes first, though. Um, yeah. So, Doc Brown must orchestrate a way for Marty B to end up uh, still going back and still being his intern and still going back in time at the same moment. And what's additionally disturbing about that is that. Doc Brown is happy to see this Marty, this this Marty B, who he has manipulated into 
uh, being his intern and traveling back in time, seeing him go away because Marty <laughs> A then retakes yeah. Marty B's place. Marty A appropriates Marty B's life. He steals it. He steals it. He, he must. I mean, it's not Marty's fault. He's got nowhere else to go. But that space is vacated by the other dude. Yeah. Going back in time and getting into whatever hijinks he runs up to. So presumably similar enough hijinks, I guess, that it doesn't screw things up too much. But then again, who knows? Because it would be another divergent timeline. You know, it's like another world operating somewhere else. Precisely. So, so we have timeline A and Marty A, who were with Marty A through the whole movie. He goes back in time, screws things up, goes back to the f- fixes things, more or less. Uh, uh, pulls off the Marty McFly close enough axiom, yeah, in which he fixes things, but you know they're not exactly the same. Comes back to timeline B because. Timeline A no longer exists, or he can't get back there. Yeah, there's no possible way for him to return to it. Marty B travels back to the past, while Marty A takes his place in Timeline B. Marty B, we don't know what happens to him, but presumably it's the same, and a loop is created. Um, I don't think that it would be. I think it would just be new timelines over and over again, right? Because each time... He goes back, makes a change, but it could be a different change because of the influence of himself. I don't know. Would he run into himself back there? I guess he would, wouldn't he? Wow, fuck. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Because he does in Back to the Future, too. Well, then, yeah, then he must. He can't avoid it because he's there. I think we got a big pile of Marty's. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's what it's buried in a closet somewhere. <laughs> but Marty A is different because it's the <clears throat> first time it's ever happened. Sure. So Marty A travels back to the past, creates timeline that's B. That's true. And if Doc Brown he travels is messing forward, with things, still he probably has in timeline B. Yeah. Right. He when he travels forward, but Marty B when he travels to the past, creates timeline C. Right. We never I mean, see that. One assumes, but. Because Marty stays in timeline B. He's, but it's it doesn't it doesn't spin off until the changes happen. Is what I'm saying, right? So because you can't the timeline stays the same until it's altered. Okay, so just just because he shows up back there doesn't mean that it changes. It's when he like influences things and events start to unfold differently that it becomes a different timeline. But it's still the same starting point. That's the problem, is that like because they're going back, nineteen fifty five, you know, eleven eleven fifty nine November fourth, nineteen fifty five, is like the the sheer point. Let's say everything is the same up until that moment. That's when Marty shows up, and then we get split off because Marty runs stuff over and and hits blows up a barn and you know starts talking to people and doing stupid things. That's where you're you're no longer in timeline A, is that spot. But if we assume that everything is the same, then Marty B is going back to that same spot. Right? That same it, they it, would it, exist on top of each other. <laughs> it would be a time cop whole like goo thing before the car hits the barn, basically, right? When it's just on the road. That's where they're both headed back to, unless Doc Brown changed things, you know. Well, he sent him back to a different point, basically. Yeah, I guess that's possible. I mean, that's I think that's the only way it works, because it doesn't loop. It what it ends up is that they go back. They're both in the same time at the same place before they're turning into a new. They're creating new futures, right? It's that spot. There's always that spot where the where the tree branches meet. Right? That's the only place that it can happen. So unless Marty B is headed back somewhere else, they would have to they would have to fucking run into each other to have to. Right. I don't know, it gets all weird. Yeah. Um, uh. So the idea that Marty B is not necessarily traveling to 1955 is interesting. Because okay, if you're in Doc Brown's position, you're or, you already know everything that's happening. Yeah. A couple of things are going on. First of all, 
New Doc Brown probably invents the flux capacitor faster than the original Doc Brown. Yeah. Local inventor commended, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, that's that's Back to the Future 2. Well, but we'll get there. The point being that everybody gets more successful. Yeah, and he knows that it works. Yeah. Uh, maybe it doesn't take him. Maybe it's not faster, but he at least knows that Marty eventually comes back. We're 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 reading that he has to orchestrate things because of how different the new timeline is in order to get Marty to end up in the same spot. Right. So that two Martys are not in the same place. Yeah, he just needs to vacate space starting on October 25th or whatever it is. 23rd, I think. Basically, that time travel experiment, he needs to get rid of Marty B. So when Marty A shows up, there's a place for him to go. So, and that's the interesting thought experiment, is that if you're Doc Brown and you're orchestrating this, then... No, known bastard Doc Brown. <laughs> seriously. Worst worst boss ever. Uh, tried to kill his own dog. Yeah. Well, he's clearly like, there's a lot more fucking slimy shit going on here. With Doc Brown, I guess. Seems like. I mean, even the fact that he uh, comes to metal. The, the the whole setup for Back to the Future 2 is messed up, but we'll get there. Yeah, straight up lying. But if you're him, and you know this is happening, you're already trying to orchestrate Marty B into being in the same place as Marty A and time traveling similarly, your goal is to close the loop. You don't want to create spinoff timelines you don't want to rewrite the timeline in which marty's life gets better everything works out and you don't get shot to death right right so where would you send marty b you would probably send him as he did einstein to the several future. minutes into the future because well, it can't be several minutes though well i mean it has to be significant because like a day because no, because here's here's an issue which we'll get to next week and i'll leave you with with this thought, here's an issue with Back to the Future 2. For those who haven't watched it yet, you know that at the end of Back to the Future, Doc Brown shows up with a new and improved DeLorean time machine, tells Marty and Jennifer that there's something wrong with their kids, and they have to travel to the future, 30 years into the future, as Back to the Future was 30 years into the past. The problem is that we know from Back to the Future 1 and the inaugural time travel that when someone travels forward into the past, into the future, like Einstein the dog did, they disappear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Back to the Future 2, they travel to the future, which should eliminate Marty's family yes. from existing. Okay, no, you're right. That's it. So That's it. what Doc Brown does is he sends Marty B to just after... Marty A and he go to the future. Yeah. And the Marty that Marty A sees in the future, his 30-year-older self, is actually Marty B. Oh, shit. Marty B has the worst life. (laughs) No, for real. That dude is basically a lesson teaching device for Marty A that Doc Brown has orchestrated, uh, given this terrible life to, in order to teach... Marty, a lesson, and that lesson is when people call you a chicken, chill the fuck out about it. <laughs> and, and that, everyone, is the real plot of Back to the Future, is that Doc Brown is trying to teach Marty how to be a better dude. We thank you for joining us on the inaugural Paradox, the Time Trouble podcast, where things will get even more mind-bendy. And maybe even more clear if our theories pan out upon a new rewatch. We'll try to think it through a little better next time because I totally had that whole party. I I, I lost track of where we had planned to go because I thought of something new. And then, yeah, that's why it got all weird. Sorry. (laughs) Thus is the nature of time travel. Indeed. Join us next week for Back to the Future 2. I'm Nick Hurwich. I'm Phil Hornshaw. The co-authors of So You Created a Wormhole, The Time Traveler's Guide to Time Travel, and The Space Hero's Guide to Glory, How to Get Off Your Podunk Planet and Master the Final Frontier. You can follow me on Twitter at HeWizard. 
Uh, you can follow me at, on Twitter at Phil Hornshaw, all one word. Until next time, something clever. Buy our books, they're funny. <laughs>